0: Attention all podcasts of the Solar Federation. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. We have assumed control. The Intergalactic Boombox. Do you really want to? Do you really want to taste it? What's going up must come down. Do you
1: really And blinded and blinded to walk just because be the, the whole world's world's wrong wrong with you. dancing with the blinkers on throw your
0: dog the invisible bone not you Pluto.
1: was that mickey mouse or michael sarah anyway welcome to the intergalactic boombox i'm Kyle Abear. i'm a voice actor from anime and video games and this podcast broadcast From the voices in my head, floating high above the earth, dodging satellites. Don't miss out on chapters, images, and the ability to stream any amount of value that you get out of it. right back to me as you listen in-app. Now doesn't that sound cool? Yeah! Grab a free app from NewPodcastApps.com, and you'll quickly forget about those other big guys, those legacy apps that people like yanking their music off of. The question of the week. What is your favorite board or tabletop game? Dave Jones from the Podcasting 2.0 podcast says, we are longtime long-time D&D fans, but COVID killed that. Currently, our favorite game is Wingspan. The art is beautiful, and it has a lot of replay value. Letters from Whitechapel is also a great game we play with a big group. Thanks, Dave, for the 2112 Rush Boost! He sent a custom amount. That's how he's able to send me the message through the app. When he's streaming value back to me, he just hits the Boost button. Boost! Exactly. Laura D says, Lords of Waterdeep. Whitney Lott says, Max and Moritz. That's a deep cut. Levi says, Clue was always fun. Same with The Game of Life. So probably either of those. Voice actor Mike Payne says, Scrabble. Voice actor Brian Olvera says, Uno. Josh B says, Star Wars Rebellion. Vegeta the Twisted says, I think Candyland. Brother Bill 197 says, Red Dragon Inn. Adam Rowe loves Betrayal, if his group needs a D&D break. Jeremy TV says, D&D and HeroQuest. Ken Santana loves Munchkin. Michael says, I'm pretty fond of Kingdom Builder. Super Nintendo Chalmers voice actor says, Nemesis. Feral King? Probably Clue. Jeff Ongdahl. I'm really bad at board games. I play Magic the Gathering. Evan T. Smith, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Munyeka DeBente says, It used to be Monopoly till I got older. The violence started. Damian Sakharov, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Exodus says, Stratego and Bloodborne. Mike Schneider, Crossfire. Peter Smith says, BattleTech. Faye Holiday really enjoys Azul. Tyler Patrick Dias says, Chess and the board game adaptation of Jaws. I didn't know that was a thing. New question. Are you excited for the new Obi-Wan series that will start on May 25th on Disney Plus? Why or why not? I am because it's not Jar Jar. Unless Jar Jar really is a Sith Lord, I'd totally watch that. Otherwise, Misa not interested. I hope there's more to the show than Obi-Wan just finding an empty hobble to sulk in. Maybe other characters show up and knock on his door like... What do you want?
0: Would you like to hear how you could save 20% on land speeder Insurance?
1: You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. Will it be better than Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian? Or will it make the holiday special look like a masterpiece? I'd bet a whole box of Girl Scout Wookiees. It's going to turn out awesome. But what you think? At Boombox Pod.
0: You ever say to yourself, Self, I sure wish I had more shows to watch while I eat more calories and my body knows what to do with. I'll never ask that. I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry. Anyway, from the makers of TV dinners comes more TV dinners. Battlestar Galacticorn. Grapes Anatomy. The Devil's Food Cake. Oranges are the new black. Who's the bass? The Sopranos. The rice is right. Pokeflon. Wheel of Fortune Cookies. Star Trek The Egg's Generation. Hawaii Five Oats. Bob's Burger. Better Cold Salmon. And if you're all about those wacky talk shows after the kids have gone to bed why not try TV Dinners, the talk show edition? Jimmy Kimchi Live. Late Night with Oscar Myers. The Late Show with Stephen Cole Breakfast. The Late Late Show with James Cordon Blue. The a night show starring Jimmy Falafel. Consume these meals as you watch these shows, and you will wonder... How did I ever allow myself to be so gullible? More TV Dinners. Available in the frozen food section of my dentist's office, just on the other side of that broken vending machine.
1: The following section of the Intergalactic Boombox has spoilers aplenty for the Book of Boba Fett, so if you ain't seen it, you best skip ahead. Hit the next chapter on a Podcasting 2.0 app, or skim to 12 minutes and 46 seconds. You have been warned. Time to address the Bantha in the room. (coughs) Now You can view AI as extremely creepy, cool, or a legit threat to actors' livelihoods. Now, while the overall reception to The Book of Boba Fett was lukewarm, pun intended, fans were delighted to see the return of the Jedi himself, Luke Skywalker, and his X-Wing during this season of The Book of Boba Fett. The consensus is that the deepfake VFX was significantly better than the season finale of The Mandalorian. So, kudos on Lucasfilm for hiring the deep fake YouTuber Shamuk, who showed his skills with a redo of The Mandalorian finale. So, for Book of Boba Fett, despite the huge visual upgrade, did you notice that the vocal performance was... Uh, kinda wooden? Like, the voice was spot on, but the monotone inflection, that's not the usual great performance from the legendary Mark Hamill. So did he just phone it in? Turns out the final audio performance is technically not him. It's an AI program called Respeecher. So the computer logged a ton of Hamill's performances through the years, film, audiobook, even the Star Wars radio drama from back in the day. And I've seen conflicting reports as to whether Hamill came in to record the new dialogue and then they just layered and filtered and pitched it or anything. But ultimately, it's like, oh, by Mark, the Newsology.com article that uh, I got this news off of says Hamill wasn't involved at all. And Lucasfilm chose to set an ugly precedent of saving money by not having an actor come in. Now, maybe his agent got a nice fee for rights to use his voice samples or image. That's unclear. The character was, again, physically filmed with another actor. Visually, I say it's 90% there and about 10% creepy still. But they did nail that Aunt Beru hairstyle, which I've hated since 1983. I'm sure there are a good chunk of fans who probably didn't notice anything off about the uh, performance. And another good chunk, uh, they probably don't care. But I am in a different camp. I've been aware of AI voice work technology progressing at an alarming rate for several years. And I say alarming since voiceover jobs are literally at stake. And I'm a voice actor, so yikes! Endless hours of audio from thousands upon thousands of actors sits on hard drives around the world. And websites are utilizing this tech to allow site visitors to create custom text-to-speech using their favorite characters from multimedia entertainment. And right now, as far as I know, nobody is being given a usage fee. The actors' union, SAG-AFTRA, is aware of these rapid changes in the industry, and hopefully talks are happening so companies and actors can meet in a mutually beneficial middle. Is it mildly amusing to have, say, Spongebob Squarepants say something naughty? Or in my case, Gohan or the DBZ narrator or Ryu from Street Fighter? For now, sure, it doesn't sound very good, but these are just the early days. Right now, the nuances and emotion of actual human performance definitely lack in AI voiceover. But they are way better now than even just a few years ago. Mark Hamill's a huge star, so I doubt he's hurting financially by uh, this step that Lucasfilm is taking, this little shortcut here. But it's the principle, considering most voiceover people are not celebrities or have their income. So what do you think of AI-generated voices for shows, movies, and games? Do you care? All these studios pay attention to their social media feeds, so hashtag them, let them know if you'd like actual humans to handle the acting. Now, as for the final two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett, I know I'm not the only one who thinks that the best part is not Boba Fett, because <laughs> the show definitely gets an adrenaline jumpstart when Mando shows back up. And, uh, you know, in keeping the Book of Boba Fett a bridge between Mando season two and the upcoming season three, it is awesome to see some more Darksaber action with awkward wielding and a face off against Jon Favreau. Well, his voice anyway, for Paz Vizla. And while it is great to see deepfake Luke 2.0, it does lessen the impact from the finale. Did anybody believe Grogu would choose to just stay and train with Luke after all his time with Mando? Even a shiny Yoda lightsaber couldn't win over the little guy. He's more interested in eating anyway. Now, the finale was pretty action packed, intense, though the Pike Syndicate. Don't seem to be any more threatening than anyone else with a blaster. And when Fennec Shand assassinates most of the leaders in their secret meeting, it sure seems like this whole thing could have just been avoided with a little extra reconnaissance. The Power Rangers kids, it still bugs me. They, they feel totally out of place. But baby Rancor's back going full Kong mode? Awesome. The Scorpion X, they look really cool, but man, are they slow and lumbering. Mando and Fett in jetpack mode, man, that always makes me happy. And who'd have thunk knee weapons could actually be helpful in a fight? I haven't seen any of the Clone Wars shows, Rebels, Resistance, or Bad Batch, so my introduction to Cad Bane was literally on this show. He is so cool! And man, what a great voice from Corey Burton. Legendary voiceover guy. So I know Boba Fett and Cad Bane have a history. Thanks, Internet. And while I figured a showdown was coming... It wasn't going to show up this quick, but we got it, and it felt totally underwhelming. A gaffy stick through the heart's probably something you don't get up and walk away from, so there goes my new favorite character, R.I.P. I I was looking forward to seeing him get a lot more screen time. Alas. So far in this Star Wars TV-verse, Mando is just plain superior, and a superior character, and he keeps his helmet on 99% of the time. Which is a great middle finger to Hollywood, thinking actors can't emote unless the helmet's off. I think Temuera Morrison is good, but he's just not given much of a character arc with this short show. He says things very monotone. He says things all in this register. And ends every line with "Mm." Have you noticed that? I have. The whole Tatooine Mafia, that's a very intriguing idea, but he always came across in this series as pretty mellow. He's always walking around without the helmet on, and finally at the end, he's thinking what we're all thinking during the duration of this show. It's like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I should find another lot in life. It's cool running, you know, the underground from Jabba's Palace, but I think I'm meant for something more, burst into song. Uh, Anyway, it feels like a teaser for a much more badass fet, which I'm all for. I've got a Boba Fett tattoo on my back back in 1997 because he was my favorite Star Wars character in the whole franchise. But Din Djarin is what I thought Boba Fett would be or would turn out to be. I was definitely happy to see Fett crawl out of the Sarlacc pit. His time with the Tuskens, I was a little too drawn out considering that they were suddenly wiped out when he was away. But the show has some really awesome fight scenes but also some really goofy moments. But anything Star Wars always has goofy moments. So it is what it is. And maybe it's a generational thing because I'm a Gen Xer Star Wars fan but having prequel callbacks does not impact me the way the OG trilogy ones do. Like I hope Dan will end up with something better than a nab boo starfighter. I mean, it looks cool, but eh. maybe he'll fly past a used fire spray dealer somewhere in the outer room. So again, if the book of Boba Fett was meant to simply bridge the gap between Mando seasons, maybe it was never intended to have the same impact as Mando. And it doesn't. I just wasn't as invested as I hoped I'd be. What do you guys think? At Boombox Pod, China is historically known for its heavy censorship. A lot of stuff is outright banned there, like crypto, Facebook, Twitter, making it the great firewall of China. A lot of movies have never even seen the light of day there, like Deadpool, Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters. The government steps in to monitor religious, political, or whatever they deem inappropriate. And a lot of Hollywood movies that end up released in China have some edits made, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Any uh, mention of Freddie Mercury's homosexuality? Gone! David Fincher's classic Fight Club recently had 12 minutes of cuts by China's 10 cent Video streaming service mostly nudity. And the biggest controversial cut was the final shot, which was basically suggestive of literal and figurative anarchy against modern consumerism, and is replaced with a message on a blank screen explaining that the main character, Tyler Durden, was arrested and sent to an asylum completely different ending. If you've seen Fight Club, you know why this is problematic. And if you haven't, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just watch it. It's an awesome movie. But a lot of social media backlash erupted over this editing debacle and plot change edition. So, but something rare has happened. Tencent Video has restored the original ending. The other edits are still there, but China gets a lot of criticism in many areas, but why would they reverse their decision about one Hollywood movie where you could argue it has political themes? It's a mystery. It's a mystery indeed. Oh God, it's Drew Grime from, from Drew, Drew Grimes, Grime's True, True Crime Podcast. Yeah. Well, Drew, the artistic crime here was undone, so But what really happened? Well, that's what I don't know. To Cole Ostomy of Plymouth Pebble, Pennsylvania. Uh, a projectionist at a local abandoned dollar theater. Really? Who would take film reels and splice in frames of marble superheroes' shoes, huh. and then screen the films for an audience of three or four rats. Coming up on Drew Grimes' True Crime Podcast, following the intramural tomb wax. That's not how podcasts work, Drew, but honestly, you know, I'd actually listen to that episode. Really? Yeah. Well, I'd better get cracking and start researching that. Okay. Ah, uh, just stall for about three hours. You're the bee's knees, Herbert. And you're the ankles' cankles. Aw, well, you look at the time. Supporting this podcast is not required, but always sincerely appreciated. Don't consider it a donation or subscription— It's a concept called value for value. What value do you perceive from listening? And that determines what you voluntarily give back supporting the show. And it's easier than ever with the Podcasting 2.0 app from newpodcastapps.com. And if you like the show, tell a friend or tag him with the gazillion clips I post from shows each week at BoomboxPod on Twitter. Remember, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Or you could just stay in your room alone if you're ever in doubt. Till next time, I am out of here.